with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. I could just let this play out all morning. But then he has talk radio, not music radio, so... I guess we'll just have to you do have it. You have to be downstairs for that. Got to be downstairs for that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd be hearing too much ZZ top on kissing. Maybe on Chuck. Uh, thanks for being here. It's 6.06. Daryl McIntyre here with you. Jay Lynn is on vacation. You heard Cody Jansen. He's filling in on the sports desk today for Morley Scott. Uh, and you heard briefly in the news there from Morgan uh, talking about some local firefighters who are off to Ukraine in order to help out first responders there uh, who have obviously been busy uh, for obvious reasons. I don't need to explain that to you again. Uh, there's an organization, though, called uh, Firefighters Aid Ukraine. Edmonton uh, firefighters have been stepping up ever, you know, for quite a while now. And so we want to talk about what these three firefighters are going to be doing when they get there, but also just on the overall uh, emphasis and the overall uh, push to assist people in Ukraine as they uh, they battle against the, the Russian invasion. Uh, Kevin Royal is the volunteer board director for Firefighter Aid Ukraine, joining us on the phone this morning. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Thank you for a Tuesday and just wondering what, uh, what these firefighters are going to uh, experience once they get there. Let's let's deal with exactly what they're going to do in a second. First, uh, how long has uh, your group been, been around, Firefighter Aid Ukraine? Is that pretty much from the get-go or uh, when did you set up? Well, we set up back in 2014, actually. So we've been assisting Ukraine and a few other countries as well. Um, we, uh, we've been sending over supplies to help out first responders, firefighters, hospitals, doctors, um, and even some other organizations like orphanages that support uh, the communities that they're, they're in. What was the spark from uh, 2014? Was it back with the, with the invasion in Crimea? Was it, did it have to do with that oh. aggression? Or was it to just help oh. out the nation that we have ties with? Yeah, you know, it, I, I stumbled upon uh, the need uh, when I would travel to Ukraine in 2012 with uh, a Rotary Group Study Exchange mm. and um, saw the need. Uh, we were in a position to help out here in Edmonton, so we, we jumped on it. And, uh, yeah, the invasion of Crimea happened, like you said, right in 2014 as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just been kind of the metal ever since. And with the invasion, it actually ramped up, so... Yeah, we, well, we know that with first responders, there is a, there is a brotherhood, sisterhood there, regardless of where they are across the world. So that was the impetus yeah. at first, was being able to go and share some of the knowledge we have here uh, with with colleagues uh, across the world. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that brotherhood and sisterhood. Uh, yeah, it's it's very strong, and definitely we wanted to share some assistance in the form of equipment and, and knowledge and training and. Here we are today. Uh, so, how did it switch once the once the this the uh, the aggression, once the war, once the battle really heated up uh, with, with uh, Russia starting to to invade Ukraine? How did that change what you were doing and uh, sort of the the uh, the the interest level, maybe the activity level, and the intensity level? Well, obviously, the uh, the invasion just caused a. Oh, what do you want to call it, spike or whatever, in the, the number and the severity of the emergency situations that first responders were, were dealing with, um, be it a collapsed building or, you know, just the, the number of wounded that they were having to treat or, or assist. Um, so we just had to ramp up our efforts. And uh, we were the first organization in Canada, a non-government organization, to, to pack a plane full of critical critical equipment and, uh, and ship that over. And 
We're now on our 11th small, when I'm going to say small, it's still several tons of, of equipment that heads over to, to assist uh, the first responders over there. And as mentioned, we have three more firefighters who are going to head over. Has this been a consistent part of what you have done, trying to send over people to, in order to help out on the ground? Yeah, even before the invasion, our plan was to, to increase uh, our activity there in the form of training. And we have had uh, several firefighters go over on deployments to teach um, medical programs. Um, we're actually sitting at the airport right now getting ready to head out today to teach another medical program that will teach TCCC or Traumatic Combat Casualty Care and uh, deadly bleed, uh, stopping deadly bleeds. Um, there's several other topics. Uh, we just had a group from Calgary come home. And they were teaching hydraulic extrication uh, using a Jaws of Life and stabilization equipment for building collapse. So they just concluded that. Um, we have a, a plan to send over some technical or rope rescue trainers to, to help them with some uh, advanced uh, equipment and, and training there. Uh, we have a team that's probably going to be over to help them with uh, hazardous materials to help them with... Um, problems with uh, contaminated water sources Mm -hmm. so that's happening and uh, yeah we have several other training modules or programs or specialty training areas that we're we're trying to help with equipment and with the the expertise on how to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of of those operations yeah so the the three that are leaving today are going to be teaching a modified version of the nato standard tactical combat casualty care course which you know i I don't think of local firefighters as being being up to up to uh education in tactical combat casualty care but i guess a wound is a wound is a wound is that is that fair is there is that is that accurate Right, and actually, there's four of us going today, um, okay. and one of the one of the firefighters that's going over is a ex uh, Joint Task Force Two mm. medic that helped develop the deadly bleed training that's uh, utilized by our department. So, a few years ago, Edmonton invested in in the use of tourniquets and hemostatic gauzes and, and things like that to help with uh, severe injuries, and it's been effective in our city. That's that's for sure, and. Uh, we're, we're teaching that program over in Ukraine. Yeah, I figured there might be a little bit more than just the three who are doing the training. So are you going? You said we. Yeah, I'm sitting in front of Air Canada's gate right now, actually. Well, first off, I hope everything works out. We know how delays get work out. It was great. It was great, yeah. Uh, good. So uh, the three other fires, uh, firefighters, they're going to stay. Are you there to help uh, with some logistics to set things up? How is this going to work? How long are they going to be there? When are you coming back? Uh, just tell us about this mission. It's uh, it's a two week deployment, and um, the the training will take place over in Ukraine. Uh, we also have a few other things we have to do. We have to deliver some equipment to the Odessa region, and meeting some firefighters from the the Nesk region. Um, in uh, we're going to meet them kind of in a central location to deliver some equipment that's already in country that we shipped over mm-hmm. um, to hand that off and provide some familiarization training on that as well. So. Two purposes on this trip: one's to, to teach the TCCC, the other is to to deliver some other really needed uh, personal protective equipment and tools. You know, uh, these trips, uh, the equipment, the supplies, uh, the knowledge, all of that kind of stuff. None, none of this is cheap. Uh, where do you get the Where do you get the money from in order to accomplish this? You know, the the, the support comes from communities and businesses all over 
all over Alberta, all over Canada, even some worldwide donors. Um, a lot of the funds to cover some of the costs of the ship's up, they comes from um, organizations and businesses, uh, individual donors as well. Like People can go right to our website, uh, firefighteraidukraine.com, and they can click on the donate button and they can leave five, ten, fifteen dollars, whatever. And uh, all that goes towards funding these projects and shipping the equipment over and, and helping out. And I would think that the uh, the, volu- the firefighters are volunteering to go there. Have you had any shortage of people lining up to go and help? Oh, no. On a daily basis, we get messages from around the world from firefighters and volunteers that want to show their support in some way, shape, or form, whether it be coming over with us or um, just you know, operating some kind of a fundraiser and just contributing in that way. We, the next one that we have going on in September, we actually have several medics from AHS going over and uh, some firefighters from BC and there potentially will be some from Ontario going over to the same training. Uh, your training, are you primarily going to be based in Kiev? Uh, we're, we actually got two locations, uh, one in Central and one in Northern. Uh, in this kind of a situation, there there can be potential danger no matter what, even though Kiev has been relatively, uh, mm-hmm. quiet, relatively quiet, uh, but do stay safe when you're there uh, regardless, okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll do our best. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> it can change on a dime over there and uh, the peace and... It can be shattered in a, in a yep. moment, right? Well, so, we've seen yeah. it many times, many, many times. Just when you think maybe uh, maybe something isn't going to happen, then it does. So all the best. Uh, good luck uh, and uh, safe trip there and home. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on today. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Royal is volunteer board director for Firefighter Aid Ukraine. And uh, the website, if you do want some more information or if, if you do want to donate, Firefighter Aid Ukraine. So uh, fairly easy to find. We're rolling up on 616. Back in a moment here on This Morning on 630 Chad. This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Presented by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Coming up on 618, chatting with Kevin Royal. is getting ready to uh, take off with uh, three other firefighters over to Ukraine, and they are at the Air Canada desk. And obviously, you know, I mean, you know, it's an instant smart aleck remark, but I mean, what have we gone through with air traffic over the last little while? Uh, so hopefully they don't get delayed and they're able to get to where they need to be. So far, so good uh, for them. But what about everybody else? We had stories on a little, little while ago just about the number of delayed flights in Canada, uh, flights that have been affected by either delays or cancellation. And <laughs> I mean, half of, of flights of Canadian flights get delayed or canceled at some point. Half of them. Uh, you know, in, in the US, you're, you're at a 75 to 80% are on time, no problems, everything's fine. Here, it's only half that are getting to where they're supposed to be uh, on time. What are the reasons? Well, you know, the airlines get an awful lot of abuse, but there's also some stuff uh, from Nav Canada and some of the work that they do about whether or not there are enough resources, enough people, etc., in order to, uh, to keep the airports themselves running smoothly. So, uh, Nav Canada has actually got an online presence now to try and offer up flyers and, and travelers uh, some more information on where 
where the delays are, that kind of thing. So we're going to talk about that in the next half hour. John Gradick is from McGill University. He's a travel expert, airline expert. We've talked to him many times here. And so we just want to get an idea as to what that social media presence is supposed to do. Is it butt covering? Is it actually trying to help out travelers? We'll chat with him about that coming up in the next half hour. Uh, I guess you have to be a certain age to know who Pee Wee Herman is, don't you? Uh, like Cody, you're you're about 27. So I was trying to figure out when Pee Wee's Playhouse was on. I mean, this is a long time ago. You, you've heard of him, but this was not part of your childhood growing exactly. up. Exactly. And it certainly wasn't for Sarah. But you know who this guy is, right? Yeah, definitely. You have an idea. You have an idea, right? Yeah. You've seen, and maybe you've seen something from him, but it's you haven't heard much from him on the last little while. Part of that was because apparently he'd been, well, not apparently, he had been battling cancer over the last seven years or so. Uh, and then he succumbed to it, uh, and we found out yesterday that he had he had passed away. And then he sent out a note and actually apologized for not telling anybody. But he was dealing with that on his own, and he recognized that there were fans around the world that might have wanted to know about what was going on. Um, but he hadn't told them. He dealt with it privately. So then he found out there were two things. Uh, number one, it was a shock to, to hear that somebody you're familiar with has, has passed on, obviously. I, it, to me, the passage of time, again, the fact that Pee Wee Herman... 70 years old uh, was a little bit uh, stunning to me at the same time. So this is also an interesting story because there are there are different points of view about Pee Wee Herman. I mean, famous for some of his stuff on, on, on air. There's a scene where he's dancing like crazy to tequila. That ended up becoming a song that was almost uh, you know, constantly associated with Pee Wee Herman. I know it's in a lot of other places as well. But his silly dance to that song was uh, almost iconic after a little while and just that weird presentation that he had on peewee's playhouse on the on the show itself uh, when it first came out i mean people didn't know what the heck this guy was terry i've been teasing you a lot lately and i want you to know i'm sorry come over here and sit on me <laughs> it was a chair by the way uh so yeah peewee was was kind of kind of odd I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. Yeah, infinity. That's the that's the ultimate. That's where that's where it blasts everybody out. And so there were an awful lot of people out of Hollywood who were who were talking about him yesterday and paying tribute to Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens, his real name, of course. ABC's Jason Nathanson is more on some of the reaction that. Hollywood. Jimmy Kimmel tweets that Paul Rubens was a brilliant and original comedian who made kids and their parents laugh at the same time. Conan O'Brien writes that Rubens was famous for sending nonsensical memes to people on their birthdays, and his surreal comedy and unrelenting kindness were a gift to us all. And director Guillermo del Toro called Rubens one of the patron saints of all misfitted, weird, maladjusted, wonderful, miraculous oddities. Rubens had secretly been battling cancer for the past six years. He was 70 years old. Now there was also uh, a bit of the, quite a bit of controversy over Pee Wee Herman. You remember back way in the early '90s, his career got derailed. So this is where things start to cloud up a little bit because of his history. At the end of the day, he was he was facing two misdemeanor charges way back when. But you're basically a children's host, and uh, so he was charged with indecent exposure uh, in a an adult theater. So he was out not as Pee Wee Herman as Paul Rubens in an adult theater and was accused of uh, of a 
indecent exposure in there. He's always denied that. He ended up just plea bargaining. It was a $75 fine at the end of it. Then a few years later, he was charged with possession of child pornography. Once again, that ended up becoming a misdemeanor. He said it was historic art photos that would have been done years and years and years ago. But, you know, obviously people make up their own mind and their own decision about who he was and what he was doing. And do you celebrate somebody who faced that? Paul Rubens, I will say, said he he got more attention for two misdemeanors than anybody else has ever had. Uh, there are often with, with people with a colored past or a colored history where you kind of look at it as, do you separate the individual from the art? from the art and that just the groundbreaking bizarre world that he created uh, nothing but but applause and a little bit of a cloud that still sits over the uh, the uh, legacy of Pee Wee Herman Paul Rubens dead yesterday at the age of 70